You're listening to the Heart Nestle Podcast. We're your hosts, Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman. And today we welcome to the podcast my personal financial consultant. His name is Van Baird. That's Van, like Van Halen, and Baird, which literally has the word air in the middle of it. Titles that Van enjoys going by. Wendy's husband of almost 26 years, Sarah Ashley and Carolyn's dad, only one of which is still a tax deduction, barely, and a lover of people, especially all the ones that God made, a missionary, cleverly disguised as a financial advisor. Van has been broke, not so broke, and really freaking broke at various times in his life. And after 20 years in financial services, he now spends most of his days helping people to define their relationship with the money that God has given them. Not only is Van insanely funny, clearly you heard that in that bio, (laughs) this dude is packed full of knowledge and wisdom on everything from finances to business to social media. And in today's episode, we dive into money. We talk about mindsets around making money, defining your relationship with money, whether or not budgets work, hint, they don't, how and why to create a spending plan, and so much more. Today, you are going to walk away with a brand new view of money and how to navigate it in your life and business. If you're struggling with debt, this is for you. If you're rolling in the dough, listen up. This is for you. And today, before we dive into this fire episode, let's read the review of the week. Speaking of fire, the title is Straight Fire. My friend sent me Lindsay's Instagram to help me grow my business, and from her story, I found this podcast. The amount of truth and information in every episode to help you grow your business is unreal. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and making me laugh. I want to thank you so much from BN Clark for writing that review. Guys, I know we say this just about every time, but reviews really do help us out so much. So if you're listening right now and haven't written us a review, pause this episode, go write it. It takes about two seconds to leave us a review, and it's so helpful in getting this podcast up in the charts for more and more people to consistently watch and listen, not watch, it's a podcast, but you know, whatever, and get to know more about us and how to run their businesses successfully. So if this podcast has helped you or spoken to you, go leave that review. And if you've left one, we're celebrating you. Go ahead and continue listening to today's episode with Van. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. All right, Van, welcome to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We are so excited to have you on the show today. So am I. Thanks, guys. We really, really really appreciate it. (laughs) We're so stoked. Okay, so for anyone who doesn't know anything about Van, you are about to get a great dump of information from this man today. Van is uh, my personal financial consultant, financial advisor. He just helps me with handling my money and running it well in my business and in my life. This man has helped me so much in navigating all the ins and outs of money. And so today, we are bringing him on to talk about 
all that goodness. And man, I am so excited for people to hear your goodness today. (laughs) I would love to just start off. Tell us a little bit about your story and more about yourself. Well, sure. Um, So the most important thing is I love people knowing I'm a newlywed of uh, 26 (laughs) 26 years. Um, I love that. And um, that I'm a dad of two adult daughters. One is married um, and one is currently in college. Um, And I love Jesus and love what he teaches. So like people knowing that. um, And I love helping people achieve their hopes and dreams and finding out what they're passionate about and helping them get there. And that's how I spend my days um, is finding things that excite me, um, finding things that excite other people, uh, talking about it and then figuring out how we can, you know, achieve what we want to achieve together. So um, I've been in the financial services industry since 1999. And um, I've been dead broke in that time period. (laughs) uh, To the point I thought we're going to file bankruptcy. And um, we've been on the other end of the spectrum where money is just like not an issue. So um, I can relate to the business startup. I've had plenty of those. I can relate to the CEO um, and owners of corporations. So um, money's just money. And uh, I think people tend to uh, make it a little more difficult than it needs to be. So I was happy (laughs) when you guys asked me to come on and talk about it. Well, we are so excited just to have you. Evie literally just sings your praises all the time to me. Um, (laughs) So I'm excited to talk to you. I know Evie is too. Um, My question is, how did you get into financial consulting? Like why, and then why do you love doing Mm. it? So uh, in those broke days, um, my wife and I were in the nursery at this small church that we were, had planted. And um, I think we were watching like two and three-year-olds, which is like the best age. And this is back when they still had these things called newspapers. And there was a, um, a newspaper called, I think it was Christianity Today. And um, you know, I was flipping through it. And there was this article on the six steps to financial peace. And by this guy named Dave Ramsey. And this must have been 1998, 99, somewhere in there. So um, we were really broke. And I read an article that made sense. And like money just made sense all of a sudden. Um, and then got to go to work for a company, um, in 1999 as well, where I actually, in order to sell the products they had, you had to get certain licenses, you had to learn more and more about money. And so I did, but that was to make a living selling products, which was fine. I'm just not the greatest salesperson. Um, and then as my career advanced and as money, I kind of figured it out as far as how to manage it. Um, I just saw that a lot of my friends were struggling with it and it was causing tension in relationships and marriages and friendships and business. And I just thought, man, it's not supposed to be this hard. So any and everything I can do to help somebody um, from a ministry standpoint, I think that's how Evie and I actually got connected. Um, It's just how can I help? Um, Because I think even though there's a ton of information out there, some people just need somebody else to come alongside and say, hey, you're going to be okay. Um, (laughs) That's okay. Um, it's just money and we'll figure it out. Yeah. I love that. What Van and all these like years and these people that you've like talked to and worked with, what do you feel is the number one thing most people struggle with when it comes to their mindset with money? There's this idea that I think money is inherently bad for a Mm. lot of people. Um, Mm. you know, I, I heard somebody early on like say, Hey, you know, when you, when you picked up, like a penny off the floor as a kid and you put it in your mouth, 
your mom would stop you and she would tell you it's what? Dirty. Dirty. <laughs> yeah. So I yeah. think we make this early association with money that it's dirty and it's bad with us like early on. And then, you know, depending on the household you grew up in, whether your parents struggled with it and fought over it, you know, verbally or it showed up relationally, there's just this attachment that we make that, oh my gosh, I'm adulting now and adulting means money. And I'm not sure when that became a verb, but it's kind of <laughs> comes up a lot when people are trying to figure out how to manage money. We don't teach it in school anymore. We don't, it's just, you know, something that's not taught as a pleasant thing, like budgeting is a, a chore and having to get a paycheck and then having to pay the, I mean, there's just nothing fun around it for the most part. And so I think people put up this wall and they make it harder than it needs to be. And at the end of the day, you can only do three things with money. You can save it, you can spend it, or you can give it away. And I don't know how we make it so complicated, but we do. Mm, that's so wow. good. I think, I think breaking down the fact that mm, there's only so much you can do with money, it, it just simplifies it so much. If there's literally three things you can do with it. But in our heads, I think we always think there are like hundreds of options and, and so much room to wiggle. And it's like, no, you can do three things with what you have. Your choice. <laughs> Right. Well, I think it's also it true is, that it is just a choice. It is just a choice yeah. of understanding that you're going to be in control of it instead of it being in, being in control of you. Yes. I yeah. love that. Well, what I am so confused about is there's not really, like you said, Van, there's not really classes in high school where like teaching how to budget or teaching personal finances, whereas like right. calculus, and I'm like, I don't use that in daily life, but mm -hmm. <laughs> I guess if you're an engineer or something, you might, but um why do you think people are afraid to talk about money? I think that's another big one where, especially with business owners, we find that people are iffy on on talking about their prices because it, again, it deals with that relationship with money and like they don't want to say their prices because it's, oh no, that might be too much or or whatever. There's like a psychological thing with money. So I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I think, again, it just kind of goes back to the way you got brought up. It is societal. There's a stigma in society um, where we just don't talk about it openly. And the number one thing I love doing when I'm talking to a group of people, especially if they have some commonality, um, is I'll have, I'll have the whole room stand up and say, Hey, listen, if you have absolutely no debt, zero, not if you owe money on a mortgage, that's debt. So don't if you owe money on a student loan. That's debt. So if you owe something to somebody, or if you've gotten to the point where you no longer owe money to anyone or anything, sit down. And there's honestly like two people that do. And I'm not doing it for the two people that sit down. I do it so everybody else can look around and go, oh, wait a minute. Everybody's got debt. How can it be this stigma that shuts me down, that keeps me from having relationships that I want to have, that keeps all this stress in my life? If everybody's got it, why don't we all talk about it? Mm -hmm. And um, there, you know, it's hard-pressed to find somebody that doesn't have some form of debt. And that's not the end all. That's not the only thing we talk about with money, but it's certainly in relationships, a stigma that can really drag some people down. So to answer your question, Lindsay, I'm not sure exactly where all that comes from, other than the fact that in society is just kind of taboo. And with all the things we're getting over from a taboo standpoint, I don't understand why money isn't, isn't one of them, but hopefully, you know, doing podcasts like this and having businesses like y'all's bring attention to it more and more people will realize, okay, let's just get over that and, and talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think something that I've run into, well, Lindsay and I both have run into as entrepreneurs and business owners, especially as business educators now, it's it's very tricky to navigate talking money with even like our students um, and our audience. That's something that I at least personally have been wrestling with the past couple of years. Um, it's either you're talking about, you know, money almost from like a bragging standpoint of, mm-hmm. of, you know, success and money and like, you know, oh, I made this much or you're talking about it from like, or not talking about it, which is therefore pers- like pushing out the perspective of money is bad and negative and we shouldn't talk about it. And, and if you're doing really well, then don't say that you're earning, you know, plenty of money or anything like that. There's, there's a weird stigma on money, even in like the business worlds that I just want to see completely torn down. I want money as a tool. Money is something that should be an open conversation as long as the person's heart is right. Um, and they're not just saying, oh, I make this much to, to brag, which I don't think a lot of, especially business educators, I don't see a lot of people around me having that mindset of, oh, let me share how much I'm earning because I want to brag about it. They're wanting to prove, hey, I do know how to run a successful business. Here are my numbers. Here's, you know, if you want to see my business running really well, like I'm going to show you, this is how I'm able to make this much money. I just, I feel like it's a tool that people need to stop putting fear or judgment on. I feel like those are the two things I see most is people think if you say something about money, then you're bragging. Or if you don't say something about money, then you're broke and you're afraid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of the stigma in circles. Like, I've been to those country clubs where the guy's bragging about how much money he makes, and we all wonder, like, are you really? Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah. um, I don't know. I wish I knew why, but if, we, if if collectively we can start having these open conversations and saying, hey, I've got this amount of debt, or hey, you know, I, I'm doing fine financially. I don't know if people need to necessarily walk around with their annual income on their shirts. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where um, it can isolate and cause a lot of stress in people's lives. So... Yeah. Um, anytime we want to like start having like a happier conversation about money, we can do that, right? This <laughs> yes, is getting one hundred percent. The next We're question is actually: Do you have uh, any healthy tips to cultivate a good relationship with money? Well, I think it has to start with your definition of you know what do you consider a relationship, um, and I think we all should approach money as having a relationship with it. And I don't think it, the the acronyms used as much anymore, but, you know, back in the day, people used to have DTRs um, when they were dating and they were going to define the relationship. It would freak a guy out like, you know, when <laughs> the girl would say, hey, what are we? And the guy was like, oh, here we go. But, you know, it's it's just one of those things where if you we define a lot of relationships in our lives, we whether it's dating and and. and one or both of those people in the dating relationship want to have the DTR because it gives them the, the security of knowing, okay, I don't have to worry about you talking to somebody else or if we are or are not dating. And I think, you know, you can, re- you can get to the ultimate DTR by exchanging wedding vows. Um, and again, you're making these promises to each other that hopefully the other one can rest in knowing, hey, you made a promise to me. I made a promise to you. We can rest in those promises and it won't cause stress. And so I think when you take, you know, the ultimate relationship that I have, and that, that's with, with Jesus, I can rest a lot in that relationship because of all the promises that are in it. Mm-hmm. But it's funny that 
if we don't define the relationship we have with the money that we are earning, it will affect all those relationships that we were planning to rest in based on those promises. So there was those stages where we were broke and it affected my wife and mine's relationship. She would get bummed out when I would go to work and go to lunch in these fancy restaurants because I had an expense account and she would be packing bologna sandwiches because we couldn't afford anything else. Or her friends wanted to go on a ski trip and she's like, we can't afford to go. So I can't be friends with those people. So mm-hmm. it just kind of trickled, trickles down. I mean, it'll affect your marriage. It'll affect your working relationships. You know, if, if your coworkers go out to work, eat every day and you can't go, that starts to build up anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, it can affect your friendships, you know, the people that you get to hang out with. So I'm really love a, you know, a platform like this to start encouraging people to sit down and say, all right, well, let me define the relationship I have with my money. And by doing that is, is creating spending plans that you tell your money where it needs to go and you're on a path to financial freedom. And that in itself can be super, super freeing. Cause I think the number one, especially if you're married, the number one issue in marriages is where one spouse doesn't feel that financial security uh, for whatever yeah. reason. And it can cause a lot of tension in a lot of other areas of the marriage. Mm, that's really good. Do you have an example, like a personal example of of how you would define your relationship with money? I know you said spending plan, but could you give us like a tangible example of that? Yeah, so once you understand that you do have a relationship with it and it's the relationship that might affect every other relationship that you have, then you can kind of get on board with, okay, let me get past the word budget. Let me get past, you know, the t- uh, an Excel spreadsheet. Let me get past, you know, whatever. But it just starts with ownership saying, I am no longer going to be a slave to the way money makes me feel. I am yes. going to master the money that I'm earning. And so sometimes that's really hard conversations for people because of the amount of debt they, they have. Sometimes it's a little bit easier. But when you sit down, you say, okay, here's the money that I have on this paycheck. And I'm going to divvy that money up into buckets that... I'm going to spend out of, and when those buckets are empty, I no longer get to spend the money out of those buckets. You start to define that relationship with the money that you have. Cause you're saying, I say this part of my money, I'm going to spend on my bills, this part of the money I'm going to save. And this part of my money, I'm going to give it away. And that by the way, is completely up to the individual. You don't have to give 10%. You don't have to save 20%. You don't have like, if think people try to put, you know, budgets in a box and half twos with money in a box. It's just what makes your life easier with the money that you have coming in and then control it and you tell it where you're going to go with it. So that's kind of when I sit down with anybody. Um, and I think Evie's okay with me. Well, that, that's what we're doing with her. Mm-hmm. There was a process to where she got to the point, and I don't mean to speak for you, Evie, but where you said, I'm, I kind of need a plan, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can, you can talk about me all day, Van, go for it. (laughs) (laughs) So it was, you know, I think, I think you just felt like, even though you're, you're, you're fine, you really are. Mm -hmm. It just, you look up every month and you go, I don't really know what I spent my money on. And that doesn't feel good to you as a steward of the money that God's given you. So, you know, you start planning and you have to start with knowing where your money's going. And, and so I had to send you away and we're going to get back together in 30 days. And you're going to be able to tell me where your money's being spent. Yep. And then we can start with, okay, well, then let's start creating these buckets to put the money in for you to spend out of those buckets. Mm-hmm. That makes so much that. sense. Evie, did you want to piggyback on that? <laughs> yeah, I just love the fact that that when you're essentially defining your relationship with money, at least this is what I have taken away from 
my conversations with Van, especially when we first started talking, just recognizing that that money is a tool that as a believer, um, God has, has blessed me with and given me that I am a steward of. And I am in charge of my money and I am in charge of how much I save and how much I spend and where it goes. And it's it's a task. It's a responsibility that I get to choose what that's going to look like, what my relationship with it's going to look. And I think shifting it from almost a power, like viewing money as like a power in my life, shifting it down to be like, nope, you're a tool. You're a servant. You're something in my life that, you know, I am in charge of. That was such a, a mind shift for me of like almost dethroning money. I think a lot of people put it up on a, a pedestal and give it more authority and more power in it in their lives than it really deserves. And so for me, recognizing, okay, you are my servant and I am in charge of you and I am a steward of you. Let's go ahead and and set up these systems and all of these workflows in my business and now in my personal life of exactly what I'm doing with you. And I think that was such a shift in my brain um, around money and Van, you really helped like clarify that and work me through that and, and guide me through that. And I just think defining that relationship for anyone and recognizing that money only has the authority over you that you give it. That's such a game changer. Yeah. Mm. Well said. I, I think when you're not going off of a budget or a spending plan or categorizing your money strategically in the way that you want it to be, like have you said, as a tool, when you're just letting it go on autopilot, that's when you don't think, oh, I'm not focusing on money, but it's actually, that's when it's actually ruling your life because it's, it's overtaking you and you're not actually putting it in its place. So I love, I love what you just said there. That's amazing. Um, and this leads mm-hmm. so perfectly into the next question. Um, Van, we know that you're a believer just like us. And so this is a huge topic. I cannot wait to get your thoughts on this, but we wanted to chit chat for a few minutes here and just really dive deep on the topic of God and money for a moment. A lot of Christians have the belief that money is bad. And we kind of touched on that a little bit at the beginning, but we have this view that money is bad. It's that mindset of, oh, oh, I should be humble and not rich. Um, And I think think that mindset comes from stories in the Bible, kind of like Matthew 19, 24, where it says, it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Um, And so I think that's kind of where those mindsets are coming from. But I would love to have your thoughts on that and just let's like dive deep into this whole concept of money and God. I would love it. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, there, and that's a, it can be a touchy subject for a lot of people, but, um, so I describe myself more as a follower of Jesus, um, is, you know, when people ask me about religion or, or about my faith, because Jesus just never, never made me feel less than, um, when I read his words, when I read the way he interacts with people, um, and so to to have that as a jumping off point is to well then how can I be more like Jesus with my money? Um I don't I don't find the restrictions, you know, like the eye of the needle that um verse that some people want to use. What I find is, hey, um I love you. Uh, in me you have eternal life. So come follow me. And when I follow Jesus and I follow his words, I don't I don't find a restriction with having money. Um, what it, what he does tell me is to give to Caesar, what is Caesar's? So I got to pay my taxes. Um, and it says to help the poor and the widows and the orphans. And so I've got a little bit of a mandate in there of how to live my life 
with the money that God's given me. Um, and so as, as I accumulate money or as I make money, um, I just want to do well and, and, and be a good reflection of this guy, Jesus, that loves so well and loves others so well. And so when you come at it from that approach, I think there's a lot of freedom and that you can make as much money as you need to. I don't think you need to be so concerned with, well, am I saving enough or tithing enough or spending enough? I think it's just a matter of where's your heart. And the closer I get to this guy, Jesus, the, the more of my heart is for other people. And so mm-hmm. I don't mind amassing, you know, wealth because I feel led to, to give to people who don't have that. Um, and so, you know, just to kind of touch on, should I make money or shouldn't I make money? I think there's some people that are called to very simple lives and that's great too. I know people that make $30,000 a year and they're millionaires because of what they've done with the way they invested and the way, um, they treat their money that God's given them. But they're also very generous, um, because they don't have any debt. They're not serving another master. I try to serve Jesus and Jesus only. And if I have debt, then I'm not serving just him. So yeah. it's an approach that the Bible says, let me, let me love like Jesus loved. And so that d- helps define the relationship I have with the money that he's then giving me because it gives me another perspective that I might not have had otherwise. Um, and just as a society in America, we don't, we don't give enough, whether you're a believer or whether you're not. Um, and that's kind of sad, but I think, again, it speaks to the debt problem. I think it speaks to people not understanding how to manage money. Uh, there's some societies around the world, and it's <laughs> it's a harsher punishment for you not to help the poor than it is to cheat on your wife. Um, mm. It's just societies where like you help other people, um, wow. just you know, full stop. And um, so, I think when you when you talk about Bible, the biblical side, I, I just again, I, I point more to what Jesus said. There's all kind of verses you can pull out on money, but at the end of the mm. day, it's are you be, is it allowing you to love like Jesus is? And if it's not. Then let's reassess your your outlook on money. Uh, Does Instagram scare the heck out of you? Feeling like you're always struggling to save time on the good old gram while also creating flawless branded professional content for it? We feel you. We have made a special little something just for you. We created a PDF with our top five apps we use in conjunction with Instagram to create smooth, professional content while saving us time and energy. This is a list compiled after years of using Instagram and searching for all the secret pro tools to make our jobs easier. If you've ever wondered, how the heck did she do this? Or how did she make that? It's probably answered by one of these apps. There are little secret sauce to spicing up your Instagram. We use these apps daily and they've absolutely changed the game for us. So if you're ready to uplevel your Instagram and create pro content with just a few clicks, we got you. Head on over to www.theheartuniversity.com slash apps and let's uplevel that Insta game. That's A-P-P-S, y'all. Did you know that how you choose to package your products can be a game changer for organic marketing? I know. Cool, right? Listen to this. If someone receives a package from you in a beautiful branded design, they are much more likely to snap a photo and share about it online. Enter No Issue, a sustainable, customizable branded packaging company for business owners. No Issue provides everything from customizable tissue paper, stickers, tape, stamps, and a 100% compostable mailer bag to put all of your goodies in. Customizing your product is so crazy easy. Just upload your logo, choose a design from their templates and colors, or you can upload a finished design of your own. 
No Issue sent us some of their products, and honestly, we are freaking blown away. It's so blown sustainable, away. <laughs> it's high quality, and it's so dang cool to see your brand printed all over your packaging. Plus, it makes your brand look bougie as heck. Like, talk about high end. <laughs> <laughs> if you're ready to take your packaging game to the next level, you can use code HEART for 10% off at noissue.co. Happy packing. I could not agree with that more. I think, Van, I'm pretty sure we've talked about this a couple of times, but I think the stigma of Christians and money is so twisted in the sense that I think the Lord clearly teaches, like Jesus has clearly taught us that we are the salt and the light of the world, that we are the people who are supposed to be influencing culture and society and and the world we're supposed to be shedding that that love and like showing that love of Jesus to everyone around us and if we are beaten and broken down and poor and struggling to put food in our mouths we're not influencing society we're not impacting other people around us and showing that that love and that lifestyle that Jesus has so clearly laid out for us. And I think as Christians, in my opinion, I'm like, feel free to add your thoughts to this van. I think as Christians, we should be some of the most peaceful people. And most of the time that in like involves having financial freedom, um, having a substantial a uh, relationship with money where you are well taken care of and when the need arises when when stuff is going on in the world around you the christians should be the one who are stepping up and showing that support and that love and 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 spreading jesus through not only our actions but also our financial investments in situations and in other people and blessing people um mm-hmm. i just i my like point blank my opinion with relationship and money in God is that we as Christians can be influential in so many different ways. And I think money is one of them. I think being able to provide, to bless other people, to fill a need, to see an emergency or a disaster or a need happen in the church around us, in the community around us, in a natural disaster, like the Australian fires or something. I think the church should be the people who are stepping up and being like, Hey, we got this. Don't worry. Like, God's God's showing up here through the church. Like wow. I think we should have that financial peace throughout all of the church where as Christians we are the ones who are stepping up and showing up in that space. Yeah, I mean, and, and you don't have to amass a huge income or fortune to do that. It's, it's, and again, it goes back to your heart, it goes back to you know, who are you following? Who are you trying to emulate in your life? And, you know, if you're making $20,000 a year but you have no debt and you know, you've got a good spending plan in place and you felt led to give, then, then that's great. I don't, I just think people think I've got to make money in order to give it. And I think if you approach it always that I'm going to live off a certain percentage of what I make and the rest I'm going to give away. I just, I haven't met that person that's not happy and haven't met that person that's not successful Mm -hmm. by Mm -hmm. saying, yes, I know I make X, but I'm only going to live off this. Once we get married, if you can live off one spouse's income, and put the other away or give the other away. It's just, it takes so much tension out of, of relationships. And, you know, so as believers and yeah, I would love to lead that way, but I think there's, um, until we can kind of crush debt and crush that approach to debt, it's just going to continue to hinder people from giving freely. I've heard of people that 
would say things like, oh, I wish I could make more money so that I could give. And Van, I love that you just touched on that. It's like, it doesn't matter if you are not in a giving mood when you are making 20K a year, then you're probably not going to be in a giving mood if you make a million a year. Like it's it's that heart of servanthood, no matter how much money you make. And so I, I love that. And I think another thing that I'm super passionate about with this concept and things I've learned is I've even questioned like, God, why, why are you blessing me? right? Like in this season with money, like why are you blessing me when there's other people out there that aren't as blessed? And something that I've learned is sometimes your calling requires more money, like based on like what he's had, what he has for you in your life. I think like what I'm doing technically requires a little bit more finances in order to like fulfill what, what he's built me to do and what he's created me to do. Whereas sometimes it doesn't mean that you, if you're not making as much money, that doesn't mean that you are any less important or that you have like a, any less of a calling. It's just that God is abundant. And when we're using tool or money as a tool and not looking at it as like a power stance of like, oh, I'm not as important because I don't have that much money. It's like, no, just use it as a tool and use what God's given you to bless other people and to use it to as a tool to live your life and to be more like Jesus. And so I, I love Van, just everything that you said and every, everything that you said too. That's I'm vibing this whole conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag okay. retweet. Favorite. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Well, switching gears now, Van, I would love to talk about, we already touched on it a tiny bit. Let's talk about budgets and spending plans. Um, a lot of people, I'm sure listening to this, know that they need to create a spending plan or a budget. But so many, I think, struggle with it because the word budget has so many negative connotations in a lot of people's minds. Like it's it's an evil thing and it's a restrictive thing and they're scared of it and they don't like it and they want to kick back on it. Why, from your perspective, is budgeting actually a good thing and what are some practical ways that people can start managing their money well? So just to stir things up, I don't think budgets work um, and you shouldn't do them. So uh, the I say that just to get people riled up that are listening. Like, <laughs> what? I have YNAB. I mean, I live off budgets. But in my experience, in 20 years of working with businesses and individuals, I've never seen a budget work. And a budget by the definition says you are planning on making this much money and spending X this month, this quarter, this year. And inevitably with a budget, you either have too much money left over at the end of the month or too much month left over at the end of the money. And, and that's all around the board in the business. They might make more than they thought. So that budget didn't work or they didn't make as much so that bud budget didn't work or they spent more in this area. So that budget didn't work. And there is that stigma around the word budgeting. When I say that, when your listeners are saying, some of your listeners are like breaking out in hives. Like, I can't. <laughs> like they're loosening their collar, they're fidgeting in their car. Like, I don't want to talk about it. But there's a freedom that comes when you, you know, define the relationship with your money and you create ways of spending it. If I approach you and say, hey, here's some money to go spend. How are you feeling versus, hey, let's define this budget before you leave the house. <laughs> it's just a different feel. And yeah. yes, it's semantics. I am basically saying the same thing. But budgets seem to come across as very restrictive, um, annoying, <laughs> antagonistic. Mm -hmm. And a spending plan says, oh, I can spend this money. 
Mm-hmm. And so it's just a little bit of a mindset that you can shift to saying, okay, if I make, and I'm just making up a number, $1,000 this week, I'm going to put $200 in this bucket to spend on food. And I'm going to spend, spend $100 in this bucket to spend on groceries. And I'm going to spend, put $100 in this bucket to spend on dining out. Um, and I'm going to put $50 in this bucket um, because I know I've got a, a phone bill that's due next month that I'm not prepared for. And you, you end up putting all this money in your buckets and then those buckets you can spend out of them until they're gone. And then when they're gone, you can't until you get paid again. And then when you get paid again, you get to divvy up all those numbers any way you want all over again. So I don't want to put as much money in my grocery budget this month because I want to take a trip. So I'm going to start putting money in a bucket for trips. And so it's just a mindset shift instead of this restrictive budgets, let's give the freedom of spending and so when I say spend, I mean also in giving and freedom and also saving. So it's just an approach that works with a spreadsheet and some debit cards um, and has free. I haven't implemented it for anybody where they said, nope, that didn't work. It literally works for everyone to define the relationship with their money. Hmm, I love that. Could you actually, could you walk us through just like a mini example of how you would walk someone through a spending plan? Yeah, I mean, just to kind of break that out a little bit more of that example, I mean, a spending plan is meant to sit down and look at multiple times, you know, in a week, in a month, but in a, in a way that it's just like a check-in. Again, it's a relationship. If I went a week without talking to my wife and living in the same house with her, we are not having a healthy relationship. If I go a week and I don't look at the money that God's given me and I don't look at my buckets, then I'm not going to have a good relationship with it. So you have to spend time with it. So you create a spending plan that says, I'm going to get paid on the 31st. So this is a perfect example. I get paid on the 31st. I had X amount of dollars come in. Let's just say it was a thousand. On my spreadsheet, I'm going to put money in buckets that I'm going to, that's going to show me where to transfer it in my bank accounts. So I get paid into my main checking account. And on our end, we call that our family checking account. All of both of our checks go into that account. And then we sit down and we decide as a couple, well, we want to put X amount into our fun account. It's just another checking account that has another debit card. Um, and we're going to put X amount into um, our grocery budget, our grocery account. We're going to put X amount into, um, what other accounts do we have? Um, our giving, because we have an account set up for money to go into. So um, that's taken care of. We have a personal care. So when you like to get her hair done or her nails done, she has the freedom of knowing if the money's in there, I can make that appointment. I can go get that done. Um, what else? Groceries, auto. We put money in auto. So for gas, for service, and that just kind of tends to build up over time. So when you know something breaks down in the car, there's money in that auto account for us to spend out of. And then mm-hmm. we save. Money goes into savings. And we sit down a- at least every Saturday morning if not more, and we go over it, going over with our cup of coffee, and we just make sure everything is working with our buckets, and we really don't have any more conversation about money throughout the week because it's done. Like She has the freedom of pulling out that card and looking on her app and going, yeah, I got $200 to spend on dinner or groceries or whatever it is, and so she doesn't have to bring me a receipt. She doesn't have to wonder if there's enough money. I don't have to ask her you know, where this bill came from. It just frees us up to go, we have it to spend because it's in there. And if it's not in there, we have to wait until we get paid again. I love okay, that. Okay, I have a 
I have a practical question based on what you just said. And I think it sounds like you physically have a bunch of different checking accounts with all different debit cards for each of those buckets, as you as you call them. Is that correct? Yeah. And most online banks anymore where you have the free checking accounts, it's, it's super easy to do. Um, right. So yeah, it, especially in my wife's wallet, because she's the one that tends to have, if you open up her, her wallet and people, she gets to have all these great conversations because she's literally, there's 10... Debit cards and they're labeled fun and groceries and auto and personal checking and personal care. So um, she, it's 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 a, an envelope system. Like it used to be, yeah. you put cash in an envelope and it was the same thing. We just live in a digital society, so we just make it easy. And you have an app that you can pull up at all times and know how much is in there, versus yeah. you know, loading a, you know carrying a bunch of cash around all the time. So that's the practical just- part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I ask because I think a lot of people don't do that. And me and Andrew used to do that um, when we lived in Kansas before we moved. We had literally a bunch of different debit cards, just like you mentioned. Um, and I really liked it because it if you have it all in one checking account, I just find, which a lot of people do, but then you you find you have to find a way to bucket it in, almost on paper or in your brain. And then it gets kind of complicated. Whereas if you literally have a bunch of different checking accounts, it's like, okay, when the money's gone, when the money's gone, it's there. <laughs> right. So I, I yeah, love and that. You have, to have a little bit of, um, what's the word? Self-control to not then say, well, that bucket's empty. So I'll just spend out of another bucket. Um, mm-hmm. and that's right. where the, you know, the, the relationship, your physical relationship, um, if you're married, especially needs to be pretty strong. So you understand like, Hey, that's, we don't, we don't ever want to have that conversation. Like, why did you spend out an account that it wasn't, it just, it'll completely defeat the whole purpose of the system. Right. Okay. Well, my next question then is what are the biggest mistakes that you see people make when it comes to like creating a spending plan or even implementing it, a spending plan? Well, obviously if you do it in the early days, something big can happen and you're not prepared. Right. So most of the people that I'm sitting down with is because they have a, they have an issue with debt they're trying to overcome um, and they feel like they're trapped. So we're usually building a spending plan around that, that addresses, you know, how do we comfortably get you out of debt without um, you feeling like your life is over. Um, But, you know, for the most part, that can be something if your car breaks down right away and you don't have the money for it, um, you know, early on, it can, it can cause some issues. So, um, you know, being intellectually dishonest, with yourself is your, is most people's downfall. Um, yeah. well, they'll, they'll do, they'll say one thing and they'll do another knowing it goes completely against the plan they just set up and they'll either make an excuse or some kind of way to, um, justify it. But at the end of the day, you're just being intellectually dishonest with yourself and it's not helping you with your spending plan. And it's not helping you, you know, get to a point where you have financial freedom. Um, and then, you know, the other thing is, it's just temptation, you know, um, we live in a society where we're on social media all the time and we see what our friends are doing and we want to go and we want to do that. And you end up, you know, buying things on credit that you, you don't have the money for. So that can obviously affect a spending plan. Um, so, you know, getting some accountability in your life around money, if you need it is key. Um, and you know, that can just be a friend that can be, you know, a Dave Ramsey course. It could be, you know, whatever, but I think that's the biggest downfall is that people just, you know, lie to themselves about, uh, the plan that they set up. Mm, that's so good. Um, Van, are there like apps or resources or even books out there that you would really recommend our listeners who feel overwhelmed or lost by this topic to go pursue, like 
resources that they can follow up on after this show? Yeah, I think, and I'm not trying to be flippant, but y'all, Google is your friend. When I hear people say, I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know how to do something. I'm like, I think YouTube's got a video for that. And, <laughs> you know, it's just, if you'll take the time, you know, to actually research, um, there's plenty out there, but I think that step one with anybody and like, this is where we are with you, Evie, is you got to know where your money's going. Now, for some people, that's so easy because all it is is paying their freaking bills and they get a little agitated. Like, yeah, here's my budget, dude. I got to <laughs> pay my freaking bills. I don't have any other money. And so that gets frustrating. But, you know, if you can identify how much you're spending in certain areas, well, then we can start to build a spending plan around that. And you can start to get a feel of, well, is that the right amount of money I should have been spending? Mm-hmm. Not for any other reason other than you're defining maybe you have a relationship with food that you really love. My mm-hmm. wife and I's food budget is big. We love <laughs> going out to eat and eating really good food. Um, but you, until you know where your money's going, and I told Evie this story, when I first got married, the church we were going to, I thought we needed some help with back then a budget. And so they sent me to this guy that was like a vice president of the local bank. And he was just, he's like tall, distinguished Southern gentleman. And, uh, he said, well, where, where do you spend your money? And I said, I don't know. And he reached into his shirt pocket and he pulled out one of these little paper notebooks that had the spiral at the top, like, you know, <laughs> yes. like a reporter that flip it over. And he said, I, I track everything down to the penny. And I remember my like 23 year old self going, dude, you're freaking old. And <laughs> But it stuck with me in that he said, until I know where your money's going, I can't tell you where to, to, um, where to put it. And so he sent me away for 30 days and we tracked everything. And well, now it's super, super easy. Um, so easy that Evie's done it already. Yeah. Okay, good. That's a good answer. Um, <laughs> so you go to this site called mint.com and you connect your checking account to it. Um, and just let it download the last 30 days of your spending and it'll quickly in these broad strokes, categorize where your money's going. So it'd be groceries, restaurants, you know, auto, uh, retail, it'll give you a really broad overview and it's a start. And then you can, you know, start picking that apart if you want, but at least it gives you an idea of where you actually are spending your money and how much you're spending it. And that's, that's the number one jumping off place with, with when I'm working with anybody is, where is your money going? And then is let's start building a plan around that. Mm-hmm. I that's think that's amazing. something that that for me, Van, that we've even talked about. Growing up, I was never a spender. I was always a saver. That's something that my parents taught us really well as kids to, you know, earn money and then make sure you save it and you can spend it. Just, you know, don't have it come in one hand and straight out the other, you know, like, like just be intentional with your money. And so I always grew up like not really spending money. And that's something that you and I have been working through lately is now that I'm earning, you know, a substantial income and I'm doing well, I don't want to spend my money. And yet when I do spend it, I feel guilty, even though I have it, I feel guilty because I don't have it assigned to be spent for that purpose. And so that's Mm -hmm. my biggest thing with, you know, this spending plan for me. And I think it applies to anyone. And that's kind of why I wanted to address this is whether you're really struggling with money and you're struggling to, to get out of debt or stay out of debt, uh, a spending plan is for you. Or if you're on the flip side and you have more than enough money and you just don't know what you're doing with it, 
a spending plan is for you. Just recognizing a very intentional strategy, the same way you would approach any sort of business plan, any sort of business model, marketing plan, anything that you would approach in your business as a business owner, you need to have the same mindset when it comes to your money of this is my plan with it. This is where this is going. This is who is assigned to this task and this position and this, you know, just recognizing I need to be aware beyond a shadow of a doubt of not only the finances in my business, but in the finances of my personal life. That's where I've been. Um, And so I just kind of wanted to throw that in there. No matter where you are in the spectrum of money, a spending plan is so vital to know exactly how much you're earning and exactly how much you're spending and where you're spending it. Your followers aren't ready. I mean... (laughs) You're so happy when you like bring a couch home or a surfboard or your clothes <laughs> or a dog. And, like I can't imagine if it, like it was like intentional spending, and now you're like, I, I got a plan for this. And like Instagram <laughs> only can be so happy in one account, and this is going to be like too much. I love it. Yes, that's literally. I am dead. Even like Van, you bringing that up. That's something like raw, vulnerable talk from Evie here. Even spending money on like a surfboard or, you know, purchasing a new coffee table from Anthropology that was not super cheap. I agonized over buying that coffee table for months. I put it off for months because I was like, it's a $600 coffee table. Why would I spend $600 on a freaking coffee table? Evie, you don't need that. You shouldn't spend that. Don't spend that. And I was beating myself up over it because I just, felt guilty spending that money. But if I'd had a spending plan in place and and been saving towards that and putting allocating money towards my home decor and home maintenance or whatever, you know, bucket, I would have had such freedom and even more joy over buying that coffee table from anthropology. Like that's a raw example from my life. But like my followers, I know when I, you know, ask for the link to the coffee table are swiping up and going, oh my gosh, it's a six hundred dollar coffee table. And I, you know, if if you're saving for that, if you're putting money intentionally towards that, and then the joy of being able, oh my gosh, I saved, I put this towards this, this is the purpose of this money, it's in this bucket, I've got it. The joy and the freedom that comes from that is just next level. And it changes yes. the game so much. Finger snaps. Finger snaps. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then there's no guilt. There's no guilt involved in it. You, like mm-hmm. you've allocated that money in that bucket and there's just freedom. And it's like, you know what? Screw $600 coffee table. I want it. I have the money in that bucket. I've allocated it. I'm going to buy it. Yeah. Like, yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love okay, it so Van, much. Before, before we let you go, is there like last question that's not on this um, list of questions that we wanted to ask you, but I would just love, is there any other like mindset or just anything that you want to leave our listeners with money-wise or just money mindset-wise? I know we've talked a lot about spending plans and money mindset. Is there anything that you just have on your heart that you want to leave our listeners with? Well, just because I know so many small business owners follow you guys. Um, and it, I've, I've had multiple startups. I've, I've been where you know people are that are trying to make it. I just want to encourage people that when, when you define the relationship with your money, that means the money you haven't even made yet. The money that people are going to ask you what you're worth, um, the people that are going to try and tell you what you're worth, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, as a small business owner starting out, get to where you value yourself and your work more than the opinion of others. And that will affect the money that you make. 
And I know this because I have I have makers that struggle with selling, you know, things for five and ten dollars that I know are worth fifty. But they just won't step up and realize you're making a quality product, but you're letting the public or the friends tell you it's not worth that much. Mm-hmm. And your time, we can have a whole nother podcast about budgeting your time, but time's a more valuable resource than money. And yeah. if you let people take that from you, you will never be happy financially. So to guard your time, to, to tell people what you're worth and tell people when you are and when you are not available. There is a healthy mindset that you can have going into business that you don't have to struggle for years in order to get there. And I think it's just the best piece of advice I can give to anybody starting out is you define what you're worth from a business standpoint and you define your time and you stick with it um, until it's just obvious it's not working. But that's that's the best advice because you can do, you can do money planning all day long. But if you're running ragged, if you're feeling depressed about your business, if you're not happy with the customers that you have, if you're not happy with the product that you're making, it's not, it's gonna, none of it's going to matter. Mm, wow. Ugh, mic drop. That Snap was the best sound. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I man, love that, man. Coming in. <laughs> Dropping the mic and being done. Wow, that was incredible. Oh, my goodness. Van, where can people find you if they want to just learn more from you? I know you even have so much to say, obviously, about budgeting your time and running a small business and relationships. I respect you and Wendy and your marriage so much. Like You have so much to offer people. Where can they connect with you or stay in touch with everything you have to offer? Well, it's Van Baird everywhere. Um, but just the disclaimer, like you're not going to find me talking a lot, a lot about money online. Um, because of the licenses I hold, I'm really restricted to how um, in the weeds I can get when it comes to money. So I can speak really broadly about it. Um, but if you just Google Van Baird, um, Atlanta, Van Baird, um, there's not a lot of us out there. So that's pretty easy to find. But all the social accounts, I'm at Van Baird. Perfect. Van, thank you so much for coming on and sharing so much goodness with everyone. And I can't wait to hear people just starting to implement some DTRs in their lives and seeing those relationships with money shift. I'm so thankful that you came on and gave us this time and we're just so freely giving of your time and your energy and wisdom today. It was my pleasure, y'all. I really appreciate it. Heck yeah. Thanks so much.